Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you here this morning. Are you all thought out? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, we are in Leviticus <clears throat> still. Almost done. Then we're going to get to Numbers. Get to Numbers. Pastor, are you sure we're supposed to go through the Bible verse by verse? <laughs> you know what? The Lord's got some blessings in Numbers, man. Uh, I mean, not in some parts of it, but, (laughs) you know, I, I love the Bible and parts of the Bible I love, and maybe this is just me because I'm disturbed a little bit, but, um, parts of the Bible to me reflect life. Uh, you know, I once heard a pastor say that Jesus Christ was super at being natural. And, um, a lot of times, you know, I think the word reflects that we are a people who are always looking for an experience or always looking for some sort of fulfillment. Uh, and a lot of times it's coming from a place within our flesh. And I think that God goes out of his way sometimes to, to put us into the humdrums, uh, the humdrum of life or the humdrum of to, to, to give us an, uh, an opportunity to practice being faithful, to practice being faithful. You know, what makes, a, what makes a, a successful marriage? Being faithful every single day, day after day, for a thousand years. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's it. You know, it's not like, listen, if you start doing these things, you start doing these, these things and you start treating each other right in marriage, tomorrow your relationship's going to be perfect. Uh-uh. That is not the way that it works. It's a body of work. It is a body of work. And it is over an expanse of time of putting in the work and doing the things that God has told us to do that then, 10 years later, 15 years later, we stand back and go, hmm, wow, amazing. God is so faithful. And, and you realize that it's, 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 I think of Noah building the ark for 100 years. Hello. You read through that and you just go, yeah, okay, Noah, but wait a minute, wait a minute, 100 years. I don't even like boats that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, it wasn't like, a, like, a, like a, a ski boat. There was nothing fun happening as a result of him building that boat. It, God's promise was going to be fulfilled, but it was going to be judgment, devastation, a hundred years. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. People say, why are you building that boat, you insane person? Well, God's going to send judgment. You see what I told you, Margaret? He's an insane person. And, and uh, uh, Year after year, day after day. And it took all that time. But then when God's word was fulfilled and they were on the boat, right? As, as much as that couldn't have been fun. But the alternative, right? To go, wow, God is faithful. God does honor his word above his name, just like the scripture says. If God says something, He's going to do it. He's going to perform it. He's going to bring it to pass. Uh, and, oh, let me, uh, let me do some announcements. Sorry, I've got to stop the vibe here real quick and do some announcements. There is a sign-up sheet out there, ladies, for the cookie exchange. Uh, that's going to be uh, December 19th at my house. Um, I will be in the basement, lurking in the basement. Are they gone? Where's the cookies? <laughs> um, and let's see, this Monday, tomorrow, is our adult dinner night out at Vito's. We're going to Vito's. I don't know where that is. Is that at Bridge Street, the new, the new place? Okay. That's tomorrow night. If you've never been to an adult dinner night out, come join us. It's super fun. We have a blast. 
It really is. I'm not just saying that. It really is, is a great time. We have a great time. There's a sign-up sheet out there. And next week is our church, uh, our church supper. That's next Sunday is Communion Sunday. And we are having a Christmas Eve service, for those of you who don't know. And it says here, plan on attending. Okay? That's not an option, it says. Plan on attending. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for your truth, and thank you for your Holy Spirit and your faithfulness, Lord. You are so faithful. You are faithful beyond a comprehension. You are faithful beyond anything we could ever imagine. And the problem is, is that we are not. Uh, so we pray, Lord God, that you would build up our faith and, and thereby build up our faithfulness, Lord, that every single day we would rise in the morning and remember who you are and remember the promises that you've made and remember what our part is to play in that, Lord, and that you would teach us over these years, Lord, and over a span of time to be faithful, Lord, to be faithful to what you've called us to do, Lord God, so that we can look back at the body of work and see that you've done and you've accomplished exactly what you said you would to those who would honor you and honor your word, Father. So help us to be those people. Help us to be students of the word, Lord, uh, and, and to, be, to not just be hearers of the word, Lord, but also doers of the word. Uh, Father, and that means it can't just be educational, it can't be just a, a practice in learning, Father, your word, but it has to be it being tattooed on our hearts. It has to be it being embedded inside of us, Lord God, so that it's written there, and so it's with us everywhere that we go, in every circumstance and situation, Lord. Help that to be the case, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Leviticus chapter 25 is where we are, and of course we have been talking about the Sabbath rest, we started last week talking about the Sabbath rest that God ordained for the children of Israel. Now remember, again, we talked about what I was just talking about, the body of work and over a span of time and being faithful to the things God has called us to do, even though we are not able to see it, just like the prophets of the Old Testament that God was telling, write this and say this and do this, they didn't understand so much of what they were saying, they didn't understand completely all the things concerning the Messiah. Those things were revealed later to us after Jesus came. They were simply called to be faithful to do what God had called them to do. And so what I picture in my mind is Moses and David and Elijah and some of these others standing in heaven after Jesus came and going, oh, wow. And thanking God that they were faithful to say the things, to write down the things, to do the things that God had called them to do because they were part of a plan. They were part of something that God had set in motion and that God was doing. And they couldn't see it. All they could see was God and that he's faithful to me and I want to be faithful back to him. I don't need to see the results of it. I don't need to reap all the rewards of it. Certainly not today or tomorrow. I need to be faithful because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's holy and he's righteous and he's just and he's true. And I believe him. And God was telling the children of Israel long before they went into the promised land. He was telling the children of Israel through Moses, still at Mount Sinai, that when you go into the land, the land of promise that I'm going to give you, and you think of that, and then you think of that in terms of when they went in to spy out the land, and out of the 12 spies, 10 come back and go, whoa, we can't do it. Whoa, is me. It's never going to work. Everybody like that at work? It'll never work. <laughs> Everything. All the time. Negative Nancy, right? You ever see Debbie Downer on Saturday Night Live? It was one of my, oh my goodness. YouTube. YouTube is, is sometimes a wonderful thing. YouTube Debbie Downer. Don't be a Christian Debbie Downer right? 
it'll never work, you know. You know, God's been so faithful this past year. I have an ingrown toenail, you know. Like, God is faithful, God is good, God is just. And he tells them these things and he promises them things, not if you get into the land, when you get into the land, when I bring you into the land, and all of these promises. And they go into the land and they see, and all they can see is the giants. Not the New York giants, nobody can see them anymore. All they can see are the giants. All they can see are the obstacles. All they can see are the things that are in their way and the things that humanly, from a human standpoint and mindset, is impossible. And these things can't be true. And instead of remembering the one who made the promise, they look at the situation. You're always going to stumble if you do that. We have to remember the one who makes the promises. Pastor Chuck used to always say, the lack of faith that we have is manifested in the way that we pray. And in the way that we pray for people, he said, somebody comes to you and says, you know, pastor, man, I've got a headache. Would you please pray for me? Oh, absolutely. Lord, touch and, touch and heal the headache. Touch and heal the headache. If somebody comes to you, though, and says, hey, I went to the doctor and they think that I might have cancer. Lord, oh, Lord Jehovah. We start using all the biblical names, you know what I mean? Oh, we really got to get heavy for this so that God will hear us. Because this is a real hard one for God. But if someone comes to them with one arm and says, you know, Lord, could you pray that the Lord would grow my arm back? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really hard just having one arm. You go, you know, brother, God doesn't do that except for like some lizards and octopuses and stuff like that. God doesn't do that kind of thing. But, and Pastor Chuck said to us, is it any harder, though, for God to grow back an arm as it is for him to heal a headache? See, it's a reflection of our lack of faith because we look at the circumstances and the situations and we're focused on that rather than on the one who's making the promise or the one who we're calling on to do the work. And with God, how many things are impossible? None. Zip zero. There are no things that are impossible with God. When I talk to my atheist friends, I say to them all the time, you've got to remember, I believe in the invisible man in the sky. And I'm not afraid of... They don't believe anyways, you know what I mean? So I'll quote some George Carlin to them, you know. I believe in the invisible man in the sky. I really do. I believe in God with all my heart, my soul, my strength. And everything, I try to make everything in my life reflect a part of that belief. And so if I believe in such a one as him, the very talk or, or, or consideration that something is impossible or ridiculous is in itself ridiculous. I believe in God. I don't stumble over creation or any other promise in God's word because of the one who said it. Because of the one in whom I believe. It always is about him. It's always about him. It's not about me. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the impossibility of things. Man, if we could live in that mindset. Can you imagine? Wow. That'd be a victorious life. Living in that mindset every single day. And so God makes all these promises. And yet when they go to see the land, it'll never work. And here God in chapter 25 of Leviticus is talking to Moses and instructing him specifically about the Sabbaths of rest that the very land was supposed to have. Every seven years there was to be a Sabbath of rest. And then every 50 years was a jubilee year. There was a double Sabbath rest for the land. And also we're going to get into all the slaves, any debts, all of it was forgiven on the Jubilee year. And the idea, what God was doing here, and we're going to get into this as well, is that he was preserving the land for the people. No one was going to ever lose their inheritance. This is another great promise that you and I can cling to. No one was ever going to lose an inheritance that God had given them because of worldly problems. 
Never. God says, this is my land, and I'm giving it to you as an inheritance. So no matter how bad, bad you blow it, or no matter how much you get in debt, or you even have to sell yourself off as a slave to pay off your debts, in that jubilee year, all of your land and all of your possession is going to be restored to you by me, because it ain't yours to begin with. It's mine, and I've ordained it to be yours. Or rather, for you to be a steward of it. It's all about him. It's all about the Father and what He says and what He promises. Now, we're going to skip down. Um, let's, well, let's skip down to, land, uh, to, to verse uh, uh, 20 because it kind of ties into what we're saying. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and I will bring forth produce enough for three years. And you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year. Until it produces, until it, its produce comes in, you shall eat of the old harvest. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession you shall grant redemption of the land. So it's interesting to me how God has made this promise to the children of Israel, but also along with that promise, a command. Correct? The command is, honor the Sabbath year of rest for the land. Not a suggestion, not, I, gee, I wish you'd do this. You know, it would be really, really be nice for me if you would do this for me. You shall. You will. You will give the land its rest, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to exercise your faith and to believe in me, and along with that, a promise that if you say in your heart, I'm going to honor the Lord, I'm going to do what the Lord's called me to do, I'm going to give the land its Sabbath rest, my end of the bargain is, I'm going to make sure that you bring enough in on the sixth year to cover your needs for the sixth year, the seventh year, and for the eighth year till the harvest comes in. I'm going to take care of you. God is never going to ask you to do something or put you in a position to destroy you. God doesn't do that. So that you'll endure persecution, so that you'll go through time. Yes, he will do that. But always, God is looking for us to reap a harvest from something he's asking us to do. And so often it's a spiritual harvest. We always want to talk about reaping some sort of a harvest that we can touch, uh, that we can spend, you know what I mean? Or that we can see. But so often what God wants to do is reap a harvest in our hearts of faith of belief, of trust, more and more abundantly. And a lot of times the situations that he puts us in is a reflection of that. That's what he's interested in. Now the children of Israel had a choice. We can honor God and we can enjoy his blessing, see him do work and be living in the miraculous every year, every seventh year in our lives, actually live a year of miracles, of just basking in it. Look what God has done. Wow, God's been faithful again. They never did it. The children of Israel never gave the land its Sabbath rest. We talked about this a little bit last week. And so... 490 years after the children of Israel come into the land, they've never given the land its Sabbath rest that God had commanded them to do. And so when he sends them into Babylon, when he has them taken captive and taken to the land of Babylon, he decrees that they'll be there for 70 years. 490 years divided by seven, 70. They owed the land 70 years of rest. 
And so God sent him into Babylon for 70 years. Now, this is, the, this is what I want, the reason I'm repeating this is because I wanted to say this to, to you today. You remember how God says, see, I set before you this day life and death, blessings and cursings. We haven't gotten to this part yet. Remember what he says? Choose life. Choose life. You ever have someone talking to you about all the things that are going on in their lives and all the things that have gone horribly in their life and you're looking at them and you're, and you're thinking, you are a sum total of all the decisions that you've made. Stop it. Would you please choose life? Will you please stop chasing after the things that, are gonna, that, you're, gonna, uh, that you're sowing to that are going to reap a harvest of destruction and instead sow to the things that God has told you to sow to so you can reap a harvest of blessings, so you can reap a harvest of spiritual growth and health and vitality in your life and in your family and in your home and in everything that you do and in every place that you go. Would you stop it? Stop sowing to death and sow to life. And that's the promise that God gives everybody. Nobody's immune. He causes, causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. There are certain immutable things within the Word of God and promises that He's given that are for everybody. If we do the things that God has called us to do, for the best of our ability, right? Because <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't pretty every day, is it? Goodness gracious. You ever have like a two-week slide? You're just walking around, yeah, two weeks, and then all of a sudden, it's like you wake up. Maybe this is just me again, okay? Confession time, <laughs> okay? And all of a sudden, you're like, what are you doing? Would you stop it? Oh, yeah. I should walk in the light and in the spirit because then I won't feel like this. What do we have for him, Johnny? <laughs> right? Golly, why can't I do that all the time? Why can't I never fall off that wagon? Because I'm a human being, and so are you. And as long as we live in the bags of skin, right? The bags of skin, they shed. Oh, there's, there's, there's bed bird, there's mites and dust mites in your bed and dead skin cells. If you, could, if you had a black light, it's just really disturbing, right? What's there, and you have to, you have to wash this, the bag of skin, and you have to put deodorant on the bag of skin. It stinks. It just stinks, Right? Really. And the older we get, the more we really, you get out of bed in the morning. And now you get out of bed, and it's not like, whew, let's, let's go. Now, now it's like, let me get, get a out of bed like this. And you need some support like this across the, to get to the, to the bathroom. And then finally you get upright, you know. It's just like, the bag of skin is wearing out. The bag of skin is wearing out. I love when the Word of God says that, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. God willing. God willing. Very simple, though. So to the Spirit. So to the Spirit. They had a choice set before them. And they decided to sow to the flesh. And sow to the flesh. And sow to the flesh. And skip the Sabbath. And skip the Sabbath. And skip the Sabbath's rest for the Lamb. And they, re re they reaped, repped, reaped, repped, reaped, destruction. Seventy years of bondage. Seventy years of bondage. Jerusalem sacked. The temple destroyed. The Bible says that when they were sent back to the land and they rebuilt the temple, when they rebuilt the temple, the old ones wept because they remembered the former glory of Solomon's temple. And they must have been thinking, if we'd only listened to God. 
If we'd have only done simply what he'd asked us to do, we no doubt would have reaped the blessings that he promised us. And instead, we sowed the wind, and we sowed to the wind, and we sowed to the wind, and we have indeed repped, reaped, repped the whirlwind. I don't want to do that, guys. I don't want to do that. And it'd break my heart if any of you ever ended up that circumstance or that situation. We know enough people. We know enough people. It's like, listen, here we are. We're imperfect. We're screwed up in a whole bunch of different ways. Let's just keep doing the best that we can and seeking after his face and saying, God, let me do it better. Lord, let me do it more righter (laughs) than I did last year, yesterday, last week. Lord, help me to do things your way. Help me to do your thing so that the body of work in 10 years when I look back, I can see, wow, look what God accomplished. Wow, look what God did. Wow, look what God's capable of. And look what God does for those people who are just simple to want to. And this is the greatest thing. What does it take to be a Christian? What does it take to go to heaven? You have to want to. You have to want to. We have to confess and believe. That goes about want. People say, I want to be thin. I want to be thin. I really, I'd like to be thin. Hello? Does anyone have any pills that I can take? I'd like to be thin. Well, exercise, fatso. Well, I don't want to do that. I'd rather eat, I'd rather take an entire Neapolitan pizza and roll it up like this and dunk it in a vat of blue cheese and eat it that way, right? That could happen, right? I'd rather do that. So, so, so here's the thing. You don't really want to be thin. This is me talking to myself in the mirror almost every day. You don't want to be thin. No, you don't. You don't. Because of last night, the blue cheese. <laughs> oh, if you really want to. If you really want to be a better spouse. If you really want to be anything. If you really wanted it, then you would do the things that go along with achieving it. It's very simple. We really don't want it. And the reason we don't want it, especially in America, is we are comfortable. We are so comfortable. We live in lavish, opulent luxury. Do we not? Do we not? I mean, listen, this isn't guilt trip time. This is like, thank you, Jesus. Is there a day that goes by that you don't thank God you were born in the good old U.S. of A.? Rather than any place else? I mean, there might be other places just as nice. I don't know about them. I'm so grateful. You know what I'm saying? A dummy. Really, a dummy didn't do any of the right things. Screwed up. 23, I wake up and go, hey, I better do something. I better do something. Hey, I can't, can't just deliver pizzas forever with a family. I say, I guess I'll go get a trade. And God supplies my family's needs. That's the country we live in. Like, if we ever wake up a day in this country and aren't thankful and grateful, but boy, are we comfortable. We are so comfortable. And we have it so easy, even with the trials and tribulations that we have, that are like this, compared to so many different parts of the world. Even though we have those, we're so comfortable. It makes it so easy to not allow discomfort to not allow, and anything that you want to achieve, anything that you want to do, anything that you want to acquire, anything that's important to you, if you're a goal-driven person, there's going to be some discomfort and some hard work in achieving it. 
Life is pain, highness, right? Anyone who says differently is selling something. If you want something, if you want to achieve something, there's going to be hard work, there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering to whatever degree to achieve it. That's just the way life is. But we think spiritually it should just be like, Lord, just fall. You have your Holy Spirit fall on us. I'll be here. Right? I'll be here waiting. I says, wait a second. Wait a second. I want you to work. Not because you have to. Not because you're working to earn anything. Do you want it? Oh, I want it. <laughs> I want it so bad. You know what I mean? You want, then show me. You want it. God says to the children of Israel, you will seek after me and you will find me when you seek after me with all your heart. Think of Daniel in Babylon and then Persia in his prayer closet on his rickety old bony knees seeking after God, thrown into the lion's den, preserved in discomfort, constantly being pursued. And he's in the prayer closet and he's groaning and he's crying out and he's intercessing on behalf of the people before God. How many times this week did Frank Thomas Jr. do that? Groan in intercessory prayer and dear God, Lord, help me and help my brothers and sisters and God be with our country because I'm so comfortable. And a lot of times that's why God will then allow discomfort to come into our lives to drive us to our knees. And I'm always like, Lord, um, help me to learn that lesson <laughs> before you have to put the discomfort there. You know, I want to be faithful every day. But I want to be faithful because, not because I don't want to suffer. I want to be faithful because, man, is he worth it. Man, is he ever worth it. He is so wonderful. Okay, verse 25. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if the man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. But let me stop right there and just explain to you guys a little bit. Every 50 years is a jubilee year, right? Debts are canceled, lands and properties are restored to the families that God had bequeathed it to. That's a big word. That's the word of the day, bequeath, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Um, Every 50 years, at the year of Jubilee. So, anyone from my family or myself, if I, had to sell, if I had to sell my land, or even if I had to sell myself, we're going to get into that, into bondage, into slavery, into servanthood, in order to pay off debts, if at some point in time I be, become able to pay that debt, or my family wishes to come and redeem me, or to redeem the property back to the family, they could do so. And the cost, the cost was determined on how many years were left until the Jubilee year. Does that make sense? Year one, Jubilee year. Okay, then year one, the land's worth $50,000. I don't, whatever it was, drachmas or whatever. <laughs> 50000 okay? When you get to year 15, it's a little less. When you get to year 20, it's 25, it's half. When you get to year 40, everything was percentage based on how many years were left until the Jubilee, okay? So that's some of the, what, he's, what he's talking to uh, about here. Let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it. That's exactly what he's talking about there. 
But if he is not able to have it restored to himself, then what was sold shall remain in the hand of him who bought it until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee, it shall be released and he shall return to his possession. That's important for us to remember. Free of charge. There was nothing that this person could do to earn his land back. It was given to him by God. It was, it was presented to him by God, and so no matter what he did to blow it or to mess it up, it was going to be returned to him by God. Everything is from God, by God, and back to God. If a man sells a house in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year, he may redeem it. But if it is not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house in the walled city shall belong permanently to him who bought it throughout his generations. It shall not be released in the Jubilee. So this is the difference. If you buy a house or if you own a house within the city, within the city, and you sell that house, you have one year to redeem it. Because we're not talking about land. We're not talking about God's land. We're talking about houses within a city. It's a different thing, okay? It's a different thing altogether. And God was also making provision for the foreigners that were going to come in amongst the children of Israel and live there that they wouldn't be taken advantage of, okay? Guy comes from Egypt because he believes in the one living and true God and he wants to become a part of the nation of Israel. And so he comes and he's a man of means and so he buys a house within a walled city and he's like, this is great, I worship Yahweh now. You know what I mean? And then two years later, there's a knock at the door and it's Jacob. <laughs> and Jacob's like, sorry, sucker, Jubilee year, hand the keys over. God says, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know, so many of the things as we go through the law is God knowing us. And knowing how people are and going, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, and taking care of things. So within the walled city, you had one year to redeem it. You had one year to redeem it, and then it would go into perpetual ownership of the new new owner. Um, Let's see, it shall not be released. Verse 31, however, the houses of villages which have no wall around them shall be counted as the fields of the country. They may be redeemed, and they shall be released in the Jubilee. That would be like Kirkville, okay? Nevertheless, the cities of the Levites and the houses in the cities of their possessions, the Levites may redeem at any time. Remember, because why? The Levites were not given an inheritance or a portion of land. Remember? Who, what was their inheritance? The Lord was their inheritance. And so houses that they had, any place that they lived, they were sojourners. They were really just passing through. They were to be seen as pilgrims, and they were to understand that they were pilgrims. Your hope and your inheritance and your possession, Levites, priestly tribe, is not in the land either. It's solely in me. Wow, what a privilege, what an honor. And so God is protecting them as well. They can redeem a house even within the city any time. And if a man purchases a house from the Levites, then the house that was sold in the city of his possession shall be released in the Jubilee. So if the Levite is not able to redeem it at any time, then in the year of Jubilee, it will be given back to him. For the houses in the cities of the Levites are their possession among the children of Israel. But the field of the common land of their cities may not be sold, for it is their perpetual possession. That would be outside of the cities where the Levites lived, where they had land cordoned off to farm to farm and to grow crops for their sustenance, that could never be sold at any time. That belongs to the Levites, and that was for their food. It wasn't a piece of property, uh, you know, acreage. It was a plot of land so that the Levites could grow and reap and do harvest for their needs. 
It was a hand-to-mouth kind of thing. And those things that belonged, those fields outside of the cities that belonged to the Levites could not be sold. If one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with you. Take no usury or interest from him, but fear your God that your brother may live with you. And you shall not lend him your money for usury, that is, with interest, nor lend him your food at a profit. Mark it up. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Remember, any time that you see that, that is God putting an extra stamp on what he just said. He's saying something in the middle of it, and all of a sudden he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you... Stop. Rewind. Go back to what he just said. It's important. Don't you take advantage of your brothers. Don't you take advantage of your brethren. Don't you lend him at usury, and don't you sell him food for a profit. And if he's bereft, you take care of him. You see to his needs, and you don't treat him poorly. He is your brother. And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant and a sojourner, he may be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, he and his children with him, and shall return to his own family. He shall return to the possession of his fathers. For they are whose? My servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. It's not a possibility that a child of the nation of Israel was to be sold into slavery. They could give themselves, sell themselves their, to you their services as a servant for until they could be redeemed or until the year of Jubilee, but not as a slave. You are not to treat them or work them with rigor. They're not a mule, okay? They're not a slave, a slave slave to you. They're to be treated differently as a servant. For they are my servants who I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over them with rigor, but you shall fear your God. And as for your male and female slaves whom you have from the nations that are around you, from them you may buy male and female slaves. Moreover, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell among you and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land, and they shall become your property. And you shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them as a possession. They shall be your permanent slaves. But regarding your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. Now, what is God saying here? Now, remember, guys, and, and we have an American mindset on so many different things, okay? And we, we feel a certain way in this country, especially about slavery, because it's such a mark on us historically. It's something that we, we look back to and go, you know, that, that was horrible. <laughs> that, was, that was awful. Gosh, I wish, I wish, I wish we hadn't have, done that as a, that hadn't have done that as a nation. However, however, Slavery was a fact of life from the dawn of time almost, okay? Up until, well, I would say up until the present, except there's more slaves in the, in the world today than there were at the time of Christ. Did you know that? You didn't know that, did you? Western mindset. It's just a horrible different kind of slavery. And you guys have heard about some of it. You, we, we, it is what's happening in our world today, and the wool and the mask is being pulled over our eyes, to make you feel like things are okay and things aren't that bad. The sex, the, the sex slave industry in this world that we live in today is so vile, is so awful, it's so rampant, 
you know, what happens on the Super Bowl week and whatever city is hosting the Super Bowl, the amount of, the amount of, uh, the amount of trafficking that goes on, it's absolutely horrible. And again, we ought to be on our knees in our prayer closets between the, between the sex slave industry that's going on in our country, and I dare say maybe particularly in Washington, D.C. and Hollywood, okay, without getting into a whole bunch of conspiracy stuff, okay, and what's going on in the abortion industry, we are Babylon. We are Ninevites. Our nation is dark and rank with wickedness. And the wool's pulled over our eyes so that we won't see it. And the fragrant candles are lit and so we won't smell it. And it is rank and it is filthy. And we need to be in prayer. Okay? Now, this even is a different kind of slavery. Slavery was a way of the world. It was everywhere. And so when God came to the children of Israel and he's giving them their laws, the laws that God gave them were for them so that they could navigate the world that they live in. Does that make sense? Okay? God has not called you and I to be Amish. Okay? God has not called you and I to be Amish. If, listen, if you want to be Amish, go be Amish. Not all of it, but some of the doctrine's weird. But if you want to go live and, and ha- drive horses, God bless you. God bless you. I'll see you on the other side. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but God has not called us to be Amish. When he says come out from among them and be separate and all that stuff, God has given us the word of God so that we can navigate this dark world and hopefully not be polluted by it and broken by it, and set aside by it, and made irrelevant because of it. God has given us the promises and the commands within his word so that we can navigate this dark world that we live in, because we're a part of it. And God wants us to navigate it, and God wants us to shine the light. And that's exactly what these slavery laws are. The other part of that is there was a distinction made between the children of Israel and the Gentiles. There was. There was a distinction made. Remember, when it talks about Hagar and Sarah, and the child of the slave woman will never share in the inheritance of the child of the free woman. Remember that. And he talks about that in Hebrews concerning Ishmael and, uh, and Isaac. Okay? Isaac was the one who the child of promise. And there was promises that were given to the children of Israel that were for the children of Israel. And still to this day are for the children of Israel. And only for the children of Israel. And they didn't pertain to anybody else. Now... Anybody who came into the land of Israel and became a Jew, which is the only religion that's also a race, right? It's the only religion that's also a race that you could become if you want to, right? That's why you go to Israel today, and they, it's like the, the colors of the rainbow, Jews. I love that stuff. That's cool, man. The colors of the rainbow, Jews. <laughs> if we start a new thing, you know, I'm a color of the rainbow, Jew, you know. I love it. You could become a Jew, and then, guess what? You're a part of the inheritance. Then, all of the laws concerning the nation of Israel would pertain to you. But a Gentile slave, or, or someone who was from another nation who was not a Jew, it didn't pertain to them. There was a difference and a distinction made between the free and the slave, between the children of the promise and the children of this world. That's one part of it. But I think the biggest part of it, like in everyday life, was God gave them the rules to navigate this world. Now, if a sojourner or stranger close to you becomes rich and one of your brethren who dwells by him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner close to you or to a member of the stranger's family, that would be non-Jewish, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him or anyone who is near of kin to him and his family may redeem him or if he is able, he may redeem himself. 
Thus he shall reckon with him who bought him. The price of his release shall be according to the number of years from the year that he was sold to him until the year of Jubilee. Again, that's the way the money would work for, for, for possessions that were sold according to what year you were within Jubilees. If there are still many years remaining, according to them, he shall repay the price of his redemption from the money with which he was bought. And this is God making provision for the strangers and the sojourners who lived in the nation of Israel who were not Jewish, that they would be treated fairly as well. God wanted to make sure that nobody who was passing through or living in the land of Israel for a time would ever leave saying, those dirty, dirty, stinking, cheating Jews. Right? That God wanted to make sure of that. God wanted to make sure that when they left the land of the children of God, they were saying, I was treated fairly. There's a point for us there. There's something for us to, to take from that, 110%, I think. That anybody who ever passes through this church or passes through our home or passes through us at work, or whatever the case may be, will leave that place saying, I was treated fairly by that person. I was treated righteously by that person. I was treated with kindness by that person. That's very important to God. It was very important to God how, the, how his kids tr uh, treated sojourners, how his kids treated people who were not one of their own. And that there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, then he shall reckon with him, and according to his years he shall repay him the price of his redemption. He shall be with him as a yearly hired servant, and he shall not rule with vigor over him in your sight. Now also protecting the children of Israel against the sojourner, who may come in and say, I really don't like a lot of your laws, and if I got a Jewish slave and I want to put a whooping to him, that's what I'm going to do. Eh-eh. No, you think you are, but there's going to be a knock at the door... <laughs> And it may not, it might be like a whole bunch of rocks coming your way. Okay. And if he is not redeemed in those years and he shall be released in the year of Jubilee, he and his children with him. For the children of Israel are servants to me, God says. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And just like these guys today, everybody's a servant in this world today. Everybody is a servant in this world today. We either serve our pleasure, our flesh, this world, or something in this world, or we serve Almighty God. But we are all servants. People are, 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 making, are completely fooling themselves in this day and age. I do what I want. I do what I want. I do no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You see how people are enslaved on social media? How much they care this week, Chris Pratt, I don't, I don't know who he is. He may be from a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy where he plays a character called Star-Lord. I don't know anything about it. Maybe you pagans do. But he was at the gym, and he was, he was photographed with a water bottle in his hand. Yeah, so it was a disposable water bottle. The kind that goes in a landfill. That's right, you dirtbags. It was one of those, and he was photographed with it. How dare you! And the woke scold crowd went after him. And he had to issue an apology. I'm sorry. Actually, what happened is someone just threw it to me and I didn't know what to do with my hands. And, it, and he made this whole lame excuse. You know what I would say? Well, I wouldn't be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But people are in bondage. He's supposed to be a believer, by the way. That Chris Pratt is supposed to be, you know. He, I hope he is. I really, really hope he is. Maybe he's just a baby Christian, you know. I'll take it, you know. I'll take all of them. I don't think he's really sad. I hope he is. I hope he is. I'll take all of them. Kanye, Chris Pratt, even Justin Bieber, you know. 
on lease, maybe. No, <laughs> you know, but there's bondage. People are so in bondage. I'm free. I do what I want. No, you don't. No, you don't. None of us do. And we're all in bondage to something or other. I only want to be in bondage to Jesus Christ. Now, I confess to you, I confess to you, right, that there's parts of my life and parts of my flesh that are still in bondage to something other than Jesus Christ. This is a fact of the matter. Because if it wasn't that way, I'd be walking in the Spirit all day, every day. But I get so caught up in this thing or that thing that it still has a hold or some, some bondage over me in my life that I get way out of the Spirit. And I get way out of doing what God's called me to do and I get into the Frank Thomas stuff. Anytime there's just a bunch of Frank Thomas stuff going on, junior or senior, it ain't good. It ain't good, I tell you. There'll be lots of good food there. But other than that, there's nothing. It's not going to be good. going to make a mess of things. God says, do things my way. Do things the way I've called you to do it. And I'm going to make provision for you to live as children. You're my servants. You're my servants. And you're going to be treated by me accordingly. Honor my word. Do what I've called you to do. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, right? Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope in the body of work, in the body of work. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your word, Lord, and, and uh, we pray, Lord God, that these, these truths, Father, would be written again on the tablets of our heart and we would take them with us wherever we go, Father. And it would, as your word says, that it would be on our mouths when we lay down and when we rise up and when we sit at the table and we go along the way, Father. And it would be on our lips as we talk to one another, Father, and as we talk to our friends and family, uh, that the things of you, Father, would often uh, be the center of our discussion, Lord. Uh, we pray that you'd help us to do better. By your grace and by your mercy and because of the fact that we are free in Jesus Christ to be your servants, Lord, uh, and not in bondage to this world, Lord, we pray that you would, you would just help us, Father, to, to show that we want it, uh, Lord, to make it evident and make it clear in the things that we do and the things that we don't do and uh, the things that we say and the things that we don't say, Lord, and in the way that we pray for certain, Lord, and study your word. Help us to be, Lord, children of the promise, Lord, to act like children of the promise every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys.